0: Welcome to Conversations, a podcast by Christ Presbyterian Church of Auburn, where we get a chance to sit down and have a conversation with Pastor Zoner and learn how God's Word applies to our lives. Welcome to Conversations, a podcast by Christ Presbyterian Church. We're so thankful that you are sitting here listening. Today we've been walking through, or today we're going to walk through another part of the doctrines of grace, which is called irresistible grace. We've so uh, Thus far, we've talked about total depravity, unconditional election, and limited atonement, and now we move to the I in the common acronym TULIP, which is irresistible grace. Pastor's Honor help us understand what is irresistible grace and what
1: effects it has on our Christian life. Sure. Irresistible grace fits so uh, understandably and perfectly in view of the ones that we've already discussed, because at its core, when we talk about total depravity, we're saying man doesn't have the capacity, uh, because every every part of his being is uh, is born in sin. So he doesn't have the capacity to, to rise up and choose God. Um, from total depravity to have an unconditional election means that God has done the choosing of his people who will be saved for salvation. Limited atonement, of course, reminds us that uh, God's blood, the blood of Jesus Christ, is actually uh, specifically applied to the very specific people whom God has uh, given salvation by way of election and predestination. And so when you come to irresistible grace, what we're really talking about is is the fact that Uh, When God extends grace to sinners uh, whom he intends to call to himself or give to his son Jesus Christ uh, as his children, uh, that grace always has the effect that God intends for it to have. It is not possible for the Lord to extend grace, to transform the heart, and yet for that person not to come to saving faith. And I I know R.C. Sproul has a great quote on this. He says,
0: Irresistible grace means that the sinner's resistance to the grace of regeneration cannot thwart the Spirit's purpose. Essentially, exactly mm-hmm. what you said. If the Spirit intends to regenerate the
1: soul, to go from death to life, mm-hmm. the sinner cannot resist it. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's incredibly comforting. And you, you know, the Old Testament and the New Testament wouldn't have spoken with language like this. So what this is, is of course it's, it's theologians taking uh, the concepts that are laid out in Scripture and... Uh, helping us put together a, a pretty definitive, succinct way to explain the, the grand picture of God's salvation and how the Spirit does the things that God intends for him to do.
0: What are some examples in Scripture and where we can see this idea of when God says he's going to save someone, it's going to happen?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, even as as Early on as as Genesis, when God calls Abraham, you you recognize that God makes uh, promises to do certain things, to be a God to Abraham and to his children after him, as many as whom the Lord will call. Uh, you see the same thing in the Exodus. God makes these same promises um, to Moses and to God's children there but but one of the places that it's almost um, most clear is in is in the Ezekiel passage in chapter 36 verse 26 where god uh, says i'm going to i'm going to take out the heart of stone of those to whom i'm calling for salvation and i'm going to replace that heart of stone with a heart of flesh and now the new testament picks up uh, the language of what's taking place and, and, and speaks of it in various different ways. Um, for one, we talk about uh, G- when Jesus talks to Nicodemus in John chapter 3, he talks about a new birth. Um, and, and remember, Nicodemus is wrestling with that. He's totally confused by the concept of a new birth. But also, uh, you know, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if any man's in Christ, he's a new creation. That's the same concept. So we've got new heart We've got new birth. We've got new creation. Um, and all of this is to, is to say the exact same thing that Ephesians 2 talks about when, when it says that God raises uh, sinners from spiritual death to spiritual life. Uh, that is, in a very real sense, the application of God's grace to the heart of a person who would otherwise be hard-hearted. Uh, and so it's it's a it's a whole of Scripture story, and the, so a lot of times when we when unbelievers approach the Bible, they they suspect that you might um, pick and choose or read here and there, uh, or and there's even a lot of churches that kind of teach us to to do that with Bible verses. But when you when you take the whole of the story, Old Testament and New Testament, what you recognize. Is the whole thing is actually about God redeeming a people to be His own, uh, and if God's really God, and His saving power is really exactly what He describes it as, then this is uh, this is grace that sinners could never fight against or refuse, um, and again, it it amplifies His sovereignty, doesn't mm-hmm.
0: it? Absolutely. Yeah. I know there's some other passages too that we've talked about in the New Testament, in, the, in that you can see um, specifically in John and Acts.
1: Yeah, talk yeah. us about some of those passages. Sure. We, you know, I think the the John chapter six, when Jesus uh, preaches on himself being the bread of life, um, he he says later in John chapter six verse thirty seven. Um, let's see. I'm so old, Will, that my Bible is suddenly getting smaller. It says, all that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast down. And so the the heart of the question is, um, how many that the Father gives to the Son are going to come to the Son? And the answer to the question is, all of them. Mm -hmm. All of them are. How is that possible? Because the Lord's grace is irresistible. He gives to the Son these particular people, God's blood, I mean Jesus' blood applies to those particular people. And all those whom God draws will be found in Christ in eternity. And the other the other passage you alluded to in Acts is Acts chapter sixteen. It's a passage that I think is really easy to to slide over. We we study about this woman Lydia who was a uh, a dealer in purple goods, which meant that she was a um, she was a wealthy woman. She's dealing um, with something that's extremely valuable in her day, and and uh Paul the apostle Paul preached to Lydia and what it says in Acts chapter 16 verse 14 <clears throat> is that the Lord opened Lydia's heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul um why was it possible that Lydia who previously did not know the Lord but heard the gospel was able to respond that's really the heart of the question why was she able to respond she's able to respond because God was faithful to his promise in Ezekiel 36. He really did take out this woman's heart of stone and give her a heart of flesh, which is the way that Luke describes it in in Acts 16. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. And that's why you see with this doctrine of irresistible grace, it can
0: also be commonly called the effectual calling, because the idea is, as God calls a sinner to him, mm-hmm. it, it is effectual. He will bring about his effect, and
1: yeah, that's right.
0: we see this in the Westminster Larger Catechism, when the question is asked, what is effectual calling? And the Larger Catechism says, effectual calling is the work of God's almighty power and grace, whereby out of his free and special love to his elect, And from nothing in them, moving him thereunto, he does in his accepted time invite and and draw them to Jesus Christ Mm. by his word and spirit, savingly enlightening their minds, renewing and powerfully determining their wills, Mm. so as they, although in themselves dead in sin, are hereby made willing and able freely to answer his call and to accept and embrace the grace offered and conveyed therein.
1: Yeah, it's you know it begins with the concept that that it's God's work, and then and then everything that the Catechism reflects on there uh, has to do with God uh, doing the inviting, doing the drawing, doing the enlightening of their minds, doing the renewing, um, and even even shifting their will. Um, the shorter Catechism says renewing their wills, so they're persuaded and enabled to embrace Jesus Christ um, and so but it, it the the point is really helpful right if effectual calling and irresistible grace overlap and are similar it is because God makes those sinners willing and able to freely answer his call um, which takes us all the way back to um, where we were with total depravity if we're left to ourselves in our sinful state, we don't have the capacity to freely answer God's call of salvation. Right. Irresistible grace is, is akin to not just placing a gift as an offer, you know, like we're coming up on Christmas, right? It's not the same as putting a package in front of your child and saying, here's a gift for you, open it up. It is akin to giving that gift, but also deeply saturating the soul of the individual with this so that they could not fail to use it. I mean, how many gifts do you get at Christmas that you unwrap and you go, oh, that's cute. I like this very much. And you put it in on your dresser or in a drawer and you don't touch it. Right. Irresistible grace is a gift given to God's people. uh, And it is instantaneously used because God's the one who's doing the work to make it useful um, to draw us to himself. Um pastor Zoner, help us
0: see the effect this has on our Christian life. how we can look at this devotionally
1: not just mm-hmm. theologically well, I think it it does two things. Let's talk about first the way um the way we can consider this for unbelievers. I suspect um it's possible for us to look at at uh unbelieving friends who we might be praying for or uh longing to see that person come to salvation. Uh, if if we uh, do not have the concept of irresistible grace, if we do not have the concept of effectual calling, we might be inclined uh, to have doubts about God's power to redeem a sinner. And what we would be doing in that way is elevating that person in their power, because of their wickedness, over and above God's power. But But what the Bible teaches is that when the Lord intends to save somebody— the most wretched, the most wicked cannot possibly resist him. Um, so, so here's great comfort for us, right? We've got friends who, uh, who we're praying for. We've got family members that we're praying for. Um, it's that old phrase, Christus victor. That is that Jesus will, in the end, reign victorious over those whom he desires to save. And uh, and that's a great comfort, you know. I'm reminded of a uh, First I mean, excuse me, First Timothy chapter one, where where Paul says the saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. Christ Jesus came to save sinners. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am foremost. And then the very next thing he says is God chose to do this so that His glory and His grace would be magnified. To save a guy who was a really insolent, um, stubborn, angry persecutor of the church. Um so devotionally you t- take Paul's words and you go, Wow, the Lord always saves sinners so that they might be trophies of his profound power and goodness. Alternately, I think we can we can recognize that what's happening in this doctrine uh is it is meant to elevate our true understanding of grace? Um, if grace is something that can be rejected by those who are genuinely called by God, uh, then it's really it's really not very powerful, um, and, it, and in some ways that would weaken or lessen God's sovereign hand over salvation. And I think you know from our own conversations, Will. When I was um, when I was 22 years old or 21 years old I would have definitively said yes I truly believe God is sovereign Uh, but what I couldn't say is that God was sovereign over salvation because I thought in some ways that was taking away from my ability to choose but what this doctrine is telling us is uh, that God in his love uh, has invited and drawn people like me people like you into a saving relationship. Um, And it not only elevates his sovereignty in terms of power, but it elevates his love to make completely sure that I would not miss out on the application of the blood of Christ for a sinner like me so that I might truly be saved. Um, In that sense, there's no grace that's wasted. Um, God's grace is applied directly to his people, and the Lord always calls his people. So you you have a massive elevation through this doctrine and all the others we've talked about of the tremendous uh, beauty of the gospel, that is, the grace of God given to undeserving sinners.
0: It's such a comfort to know that even in our evangelism, if the Lord wills someone to be saved, they're going to be saved, and nothing's going to get in the way of that. And then even in our own personal life, when we look at how the Lord has redeemed us and saved us, to be able to say that the Lord made sure this was going to happen, that way I can hit the pillow at night and have assurance that Christ has redeemed me and saved me, and nothing's going to get in the way of that. Neither height, nor death nor powers, yeah. nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come can separate us from the love of God in Christ mm-hmm. Jesus.
1: Yeah, and what a what a profound comfort that is to us as we as we do as you say lay your head on the on the pillow. It also removes our pride, doesn't it? I totally. Mean, yeah. Then I, I didn't bring anything uh, to the Lord to get Him to be willing to draw me. Um, I, he didn't look down the quarter of time and and uh, presume by way of His knowledge that I would select Him among other gods in the world. Um, he, he quite specifically chose to save a person like me. Um, his grace is magnified. His character is glorified. Um, and I, my humility is, is kept low and in check uh, because God is kind to people like me. Amen.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you so much for the time, Pastor Zoner. Yeah,
1: thanks so much, Will. I enjoyed our time together today. Appreciate it.
0: And we appreciate you guys listening to our podcast, and we'll see you for the next part of our Um, series on the doctrines of grace we'll be talking about perseverance of the saints thank you